let's get into our series, a new series today called The King's Arrival. And this series is really about how Jesus' arrival brings us hope. This whole season, the, the month of December, is a month where, of course, like we just talked about with Christmas, we're looking forward to family and friends and having a good time. But, but for, for Christians, it's a special month where we specifically, we specifically focus in on the coming of Jesus. And I think that it's something that we should think about. We, we say that word should a lot in our lives, right? Like I should, you know, pay my bills on time. I should, you know, uh, do a lot of things. But, but when it comes to our Christian walk, we should, and I know most of us do, think about and meditate on the, the, how miraculous it is that God sent his son to this earth and what that accomplished and the hope that that brings. And that hope and that peace and that joy and all these other words that we sing about in Christmas songs can get kind of lost or, or diluted in just the whole month. And I believe that this month is a great time to sit back and to really focus in on the coming of Jesus. And you know, um, many churches in the month of December do what they call, they recognize Advent or Advent season. And, and, and we've done that for many years here at Northwood Church. And this is sort of a, another take on that. But we're going to specifically be looking at the hope that comes through Jesus. I believe that we need hope in our world. I believe that we need hope. We have an, an, a pandemic of a lot of things, but we, there's also a pandemic of hopelessness in our world. And uh, that's just not a cliche. It's true. It's statistically true. In a lot of our lives, we know, uh, we know what we feel, but we don't a lot of times know why we feel it. And so I believe that through this month, we're also going to bring some clarity to that about this, this problem of hopelessness. But overall, people, we, we in general, we want security and we want freedom. We want security and we want freedom. And I think another foundational need that we have as people, the way that we're, we're made is that we need hope. We need it. We need it to operate. We need it to get up in the morning. We need it to do things with, with passion and excitement. We need hope. But what is hope? What is hope? Well, hope is to have trust or confidence that something will happen. To have trust, to have confidence, to assume confidently that something will or is going to happen. I use this illustration a lot in my life uh, in different ways, but you guys know like there's the, uh, the illustration of kind of like the donkey or the horse that's kind of just trotting and somebody's like sitting on the horse and they've got like a fishing pole or something and they're just hanging the carrot like out in front of the, the donkey. You know what I'm saying? It just kind of keeps the mule or whatever moving. You know, they're just like, <laughs> you know, like honestly that carrot for that donkey is like hope. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe I'll, he's like Eeyore or something. You know, maybe I'll get to the carrot, you know. And, and, but it, but it, it's not a very joyful hope. It's just kind of like maybe I'll get this, get this carrot. And some people are walking through life and they've got a carrot in front of them. And that carrot is a better job in the future, like more money. Uh, I don't know, just some, some mysterious place of happiness that they're going to get to one day. And it's just like this carrot that's out in front of people. But, you know, we, we, we kind of need something like that. And I think that's we, why we all grab onto something to have hope in. It's because we really need something like that. But for a lot of us, hope, true hope, pure hope, it looks like, you know, a utopia. We call it heaven. And at the end of the day, we're looking for heaven. We're looking for heaven. But... Do you guys ever think about why we have this internal standard for what 
that is. Like, why do we actually hope? Why do we actually hope? And why do we hope in something that's better than what we have now? Why, whenever we picture the afterlife, do we always picture this, this utopian place? Well, I, I think it's because of Ecclesiastes. I think it says here that he, God, has put eternity into man's heart. God has put this desire in us for something more, for something better, right? We're always looking for it, man. You know, if, if you're not living your best life, then, then you say, hey, the best is yet to come. <laughs> right? We just we say these statements because we're wanting something to hope in. And I believe it's because God put it in our heart. And I believe it's also that humanity actually had it at one point. You see, when God created the world, when he created everything that we see, know, and touch and feel, there was this place called the garden. And we know the story of Adam and Eve. There was this place. It was optimal. It was good. It was a great place. There was no pain. There was no fear, no shame. And we, mankind, experienced being whole. We experienced being whole. Not one of us in this place today, not one of us watching online, not one of us in Long Beach, we have never experienced a moment in our life where we, are, we were completely whole. Because we were born into a situation. We were born into a hopeless situation because of sin. That's what happened. Adam and Eve, they, they, they really they disregarded God's command. They chose uh, to follow the serpent and, and his, his, uh, his words that he used to undermine the authority of God. God spoke a word and, and told them how to, to live life and how to obey. And he said, this will be good for you. And the enemy, the, all the enemy does is just undermine. I want you guys to begin to realize how the enemy just undermines God's truth. It doesn't have to completely destroy it. Just undermine it. Because erosion is a funny thing, Right? Whether it's a road, there's an, under, an, an erosion underneath that road, and just over time, it begins to erode the foundation of that road. And that's what the enemy did with Adam and Eve. Their, their, their confidence in God, their, their, their confidence in God's faithfulness and his goodness to be fulfilled in him was eroded by the enemy, and eventually they chose to follow their own way, and this created a situation where sin entered in. But God had a plan. God had a plan. And we sit here in 2021, and when I say God had a plan, we all know that plan. Like right here, we, we, know, we know where this message is headed right now. But I think it is funny that we, we do, like what would have happened in that moment when everything hit the fan, where there was no plan? And we look at the Old Testament, people can't look back 2,000 years, you know what I'm saying? We can, but they couldn't, and see what God was going to do. I, I think about like a lot of movies that we watch. Where when everything hits the fan, there's always somebody who has a plan. Recently, I was watching a movie with The Rock. And, uh, I mean, you know, it was one of those movies. Like, there's just explosions everywhere. I don't remember what it was. They're all the same, honestly. And um, there's always a moment where The Rock, like, <clears throat> he's doing something and then he stands up. And it's like this perfect shot. He's, like, oily. But, like, in a good way, you know. And <laughs> very strong. Very strong. He's a very strong man. And, and his teeth are always white. Like, I don't, know I don't know what he eats, but it's always perfect. And he looks up and, like, I don't understand, but these guys always have a perfect plan. They stand up and it's just like, what we're going to do, everybody be quiet. We're going to jump in that chopper. We're going to fly to that building. We're going to save everybody. We're going to fly away just in time as the skyscraper falls. Let's go. And they're like, okay. And, and everything works out right. 
because The Rock is the hero, right? He's the hero. We want a hero, especially when they look like The Rock, you know? <laughs> what if, like, the nerdy guy on the team sort of was like, hey, guys, uh, so, like, what if we take the tr- Every, you know, nobody would follow him. They'd be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Oily, Rock, let's follow him. You know what I'm saying? Because he just looks like a hero. Um, <laughs> this illustration got a little... <laughs> It got away from me a little bit on that one. Um, what's the plan? We want a plan. Whenever stuff hits the fan, we want a plan. I didn't mean for that to rhyme either, but it's true. It's the only thing you'll remember from the whole message is that right there. What's the plan? Well, when everything hit the fan in the garden, God already had a plan. And the thing about God's plan is that God's plan gives us hope. God's plan gives us hope today. God's plan still gives us hope. And his plan came in the form of a promise. It was the promise that someone would come and fix what had been broken. Right? Jesus. And there's a prophecy in Isaiah 9 that I want to read to you. It says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. It's eternal. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Man, come on, if you're a believer... Like these words fill you with hope even now, right? We, we, we forget, we forget that this is here in the word, but we read it and it fills us with confidence and that God is faithful to fulfill those, those, those promises. But this promise goes back to the garden. It goes back to the garden. God promised that salvation and victory would come over the enemy. In Genesis 3 verse 15, we see it's really, it's something called a proto-evangelium. It is the first mention of the gospel. It's the first time we see this promise uh, communicated. In verse 15, it says, I'll put enmity, this is God speaking to the serpent, between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This was God promising that what had happened was not finished. It was not done. And there was somebody coming that would, that would overtake the enemy, that would destroy him, that would take away his power that would bruise his head, that would crush the head of the enemy. And this is the first mention. So from the beginning, God had a plan. And that plan progresses in Genesis 15 with Abraham. He promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations and that everyone would be blessed through Abraham's lineage. And you can go read the covenant that God made with Abraham. The one thing I love about God's covenant with Abraham is that it was a one-sided covenant. When God, you know, uh, creates this covenant with Abraham, Abraham actually, God puts him into a deep sleep. And, and God actually does the covenant, creates this covenant with himself. That he is going to be faithful to fulfill this covenant that he's creating with Abraham. It's beautiful. And he also said that there will be a blessing from Abraham's lineage. Ultimately, that's a king. That's the Messiah. It's Jesus. And this is our hope. This is what we lean into. This is what we believe in. But we see a long time between God's first promise and the fulfillment of that promise. From the time of Abraham till Jesus came was like 18 centuries. And I always think it's funny whenever we talk about a a thought like this because 
Whenever we get a promise from God, whether that be we feel like God has spoken something to us, right, or, or we just know that God's put something in our heart, we imagine about a three-week timeline. You know what I'm saying? We got a bad report. Something happened. I don't know. You know, and it's like I'm, I'm in college, and I'm, I believe that God put this in my heart. And so by the age of 25, like, you know, give it about four years, and uh, I'll have what, you know, God put in my heart. And hardly anywhere in the Word of God do we see that type of timeline. We see tens of years. We see hundreds of years. In this case, we see thousands of years between creation and Jesus. But yet this timeline creates tension. What happens when somebody promises you something? If somebody promises you, even if it's something small, there's like this, this glimmer of hope. There's this thing. There's this blip on the radar of hope in your life. And whenever that seems to never happen, that's whenever things get difficult. In Proverbs verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So think back right now. Think back to a time that somebody promised you something. Really think about something significant, that somebody promised you something. And what it did in your heart, what expectation it brought up. And then think about some of those promises where it never came true or they never followed through. And what it produced in you. Deferred hope leads to hopelessness, which is the root system of depression. Depression. Depression is something that uh, we, we, as, a, as a nation uh, has gripped us in many ways. And there's many other uh, types of, you know, emotional and, and mental illnesses and, and, and things that we deal with as people. I've dealt with depression. I, uh, I went through a season a few years ago where, um, and I've shared this story before, but went through a season where uh, there was just a lot of pressure going on and I was talking to um, a friend, and I was just sharing my heart with how I was feeling. And he ended up saying, man, it sounds like you're, you're depressed. And I was like, <laughs> I don't get depressed. That's not me. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he's like, man, no, I really think that you're dealing with something that you, you don't really understand that you're dealing with. And I took a step back, and I began to do some research and have some conversations. And I realized that I was, I was hitting up against this wall and it was depression. And the thing that I said is, um, I said, man, I don't really feel anything. I don't feel much of anything. Like, the only emotion I feel is anger. I never really get glad. I never, I'm never happy. Not really. I smile, but it's kind of like hollow. I just was going through all these things. And, and what I realized is, is just some things in my personal life that were going on that I was dealing with. And what it was producing was this result. And I think sometimes in our lives, we're experiencing a result of something, but we're not looking back to the root system of it. And then we just try to deal with the fruit on the tree. And if it's something like depression or whatever, that we're, we're trying to deal with that. that. But, but what's at the root? Why is that there? Why am I hopeless and you can many times trace it back to things in your life that have happened to you, disappointments. And a lot of times it's disappointments because of wrong expectations. I was just talking to somebody about this this morning, about expectations. And we, we are horrible when it comes to unrealistic expectations on people to do something for us, to be something for us, for, uh, for 
seasons of life to reach a certain pinnacle of, of happiness or whatever. And we place these expectations and we place it in, in such a high degree that there's no way that that person or that season can actually attain that. And so then we're left dejected. But it's because of wrong expectations. Years ago, uh, whenever Lord of the Rings came out, uh, this was 2001, <clears throat> when I was thinking about this, this story, I had to go back and look whenever Lord of the Rings first came out. It was 20 years ago. It's horrible. Because I remember it well, you know. <laughs> Getting old. Um, but... So we all go to the, the theater. I don't, I'm not a book reader. Like, I don't read fiction. Like, I don't. I'm not that guy. So honestly, I didn't know that Lord of the Rings was even a book before it was a movie. I just saw, like, war, and I was like, yes, you know, let's go. So we go, and we sit down, and we're watching this movie, and it's, like, three hours long, right? And, you know, Frodo's doing his thing, and, and, and he's with the, uh, the other hobbit. Uh, anyway, Sam. Sam. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> anyway, so they're, uh, it's coming to the end of the movie. Like, you can kind of feel it. And what, what I'm expecting is closure. I'm expecting closure. And, you know, they, they see Mordor or whatever, and they start, like, traveling down this mountain. And I'm like, okay, let's go, you know. And then it was like, blue, 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 directed by Peter Jackson. <laughs> and literally, I was like, what's going on? I'm looking at the people next to me. I'm like, what's happening right now? And they're like, what? I'm like, the movie just ended. It's like a cliffhanger. I said, man, it's a, it's a trilogy. <laughs> I was like, what? What do you mean it's a trilogy? You mean three hours and no closure? Yeah, next, next year, the next one's coming out. And then and the next one after that, the year after that. I mean, a year? What you, and everybody's cool with this, you know? Do like Netflix, wait till the season's done and release it all at one time. We can binge watch. What's this Apple TV stuff every Friday? Anybody Apple TV coming out every? No. No. I want to watch the whole season. Anyway, I was the only one in the whole theater that had wrong expectations of that movie, y'all. The only one. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. And they're walking out excited. I'm like, this is a year, you know? I didn't know the plot. I didn't know the plan. I was, I was confused. And so when the movie ended, I was frustrated. Here's the deal. As people, especially as Christians, y'all, we know the story. We know the plot. We know the plan. So why whenever we come to different endings of seasons or moments in our life where we hit a wall, do we throw our hands up in frustration towards God towards people and act surprised. Wrong expectations. Wrong expectations. People have been looking for, the, for, for Jesus to return for a long time. And everybody thinks they got it figured out. They don't. Why? Wrong expectations. Looking at the word, looking at what Jesus said and, and, and piecing things together. And so whenever we think we have it figured out, that's wrong expectations because we're creating our own ending and there's not trust. But many of us, we find ourselves and we're hopeless whenever God has communicated his plan to us, we just have to open up our eyes and our hearts to see it and believe it and trust it. Because I believe that we can find hope not in a certain situation that's around us, but in Jesus, in God's plan. 
This is what happened to the children of Israel, though. God didn't meet their expectations. He didn't make, meet their expectations in a certain timeline. And in the delay of God fulfilling his promise, the Israelites begin to try to make their own way. Abraham's descendants, they begin to try to make their own way. At Mount Sinai, they just got released from Egypt. God was faithful. He delivered them from slavery. And they go, and Moses, their leader, goes up on a mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, the law of God. And, and meanwhile, after like 30, 40 days, the children of Israel say, I guess he's not coming back. Let's go ahead and make a golden calf and worship that, which is so dumb, right? They literally saw what God did. They, they, just a few you know, weeks later, they forget what God did. We like to think if we saw God move a mountain, literally a physical mountain, if we saw him send locusts, if we saw God like do crazy things that we would be able to trust him more. Some of us, that's where you're at right now. You're waiting for God to do some sort of crazy thing in your life so that way you can like feel confident that he's actually real and he's with you and he's faithful. And these people saw that and within a few days they were worshiping a golden statue that they had created themselves. Idolatry. Later on, Whenever the judges who were leading them as a people were corrupt, the people of Israel, they wanted a king. Now, here's the thing about wanting a king for the, the children of Israel. God was supposed to be their king. That was God's plan. That was God's promise. He said, I'm with you. I'm going to lead you. He had prophets. He had priests. He had people that were leading the people of Israel, but that wasn't good enough. See, God was supposed to be their God, and they created a golden calf. God was supposed to be their king, and whenever things, weren't, whenever things weren't exactly right, they said, we want a king. We want a king, not all these judges. We want a king, one person that will judge us, that will, that will have, a, we'll have a, a proper justice system, one person. And then, and then we want a guy, we want a king who will lead us into battle. We want a strong military. <laughs> I say those things because isn't that the same thing that we're wanting today? We're wanting justice, we're wanting righteousness, we're wanting protection and security, and we're still doing the same thing today that the children of Israel did. We're looking for a person to be that figure, a person to be that, that king. And we as people who are in the kingdom of God, which we talked about all last month, our king are not, we don't look to other things to be our king. Not in that regard. Sure, I want things to be a certain way in this life. Absolutely, you're right. And we should, we should believe in those things and we should discuss those things and we should, you know what I'm saying? We should be moving in that direction. However, there is a greater kingdom at play. And so they want a king and Samuel the prophet goes to God and, and communicates to God what's going on. Of course, like God didn't know. And when, when Samuel tells the children of Israel what God said, they were like, no, we want a king. The elders, they were like, no, we, we want this. And this is what God said back to Samuel the prophet. 1 Samuel 8, 7. Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. God let them have what they wanted. He let them, he let them, he said, okay. But then he tells them what's going to happen because they chose another king. He's going to do this to you. He's going to do this to your family. He's going to take your money. He's going to do all these things. But here you go. 
And you know what? The children of Israel, they got it. They got a king, and they got all the, the kings that followed that king, 42 of them. And most of them were unrighteous, horrible people. They followed other gods. They did the wrong things. And where they thought that they were in trouble, they thought they didn't like the judges, they thought they didn't like what was going on, they jumped out the, the frying pan into the fire, right? And they experienced this corruption. They experienced this horrible stuff. So they got what they wanted, but not what they were hoping for. Why? Because they kept hoping in the wrong thing or the wrong person. They got what they wanted, and they thought that's what they were hoping for, but it wasn't. It wasn't what they were hoping for. We do this too by looking for peace and prosperity and security in all the wrong places. And for a lot of you, this might sound cliche, but you know that it's still true. <laughs> you know it's still true. Reaching out and grabbing a hold of things for hope. We put hope in ideas or expectations of what life could be. We make them king. And whenever they let us down, we are let down. How many times you've done that? I mean, you could look at relationships. Just think about the people that, like, I mean, they broke you. But why did they break you? Maybe it was because you put too much stock in them. Maybe you were looking, you think that if you have just the right relationship that you'll be fulfilled. That that deep longing inside of you will be satisfied. And I will say this, that there are a lot of things in life, y'all, that satisfy us for a little while. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not one of those people that thinks that, you know, the world doesn't have things to offer us that actually are enjoyable. I think there's a lot of enjoyable things in the world. I think there's a lot of things that are enjoyable that are also good. I think it's good. It's just whenever we put those things in the place of God, that's where the problem is. That's where the situation is. There's only one consistent and righteous king to hope in. And I think this is kind of the main idea that I want to get across today. Even when we don't get what we expect, we must still hold on to hope. Even whenever we don't get what we expect, we must still hold on to hope. And this right here, we talk a lot about being anchored, how Jesus is the, the anchor to hope. Right? Hope is like an anchor in our life. And what happens is, is when we're anchored to something that's immovable, the waves of life, the storm of life may, may pull us, may stress us, but we don't become disconnected and just float, right? And we're not destroyed. And I'm really speaking to that inner part of us today, the inner part of us. Because a lot of you, I think that in life, life might be really good. Like your life might not be in shambles today. Your marriage may be wonderful. Your finances is really solid. You have great friends. You don't really have anything to complain about, but inside your heart, you are completely unsettled. Inside your heart, you're, I mean, you're smiling on the outside, but inside, like I said earlier, you're hollow. What is that? Why is that? I was talking to somebody this past week. And we were talking about um, uh, just, I, I was talking about my life and just where my heart was. And this guy, as we're talking, he just began to ask questions. And he began to kind of open up some things in my heart that I was not aware of. It was a pretty deep conversation. He began to open up some things. He began to ask some questions and make some statements. And, and what I was thinking was this. I was like, man, this is so good. This is so needed for me. And I, I began to think about 
how most people don't have someone who is actually asking them those questions and having those conversations with them. And whenever you don't have those conversations, you don't have somebody that's a spiritual person who's asking you these questions, how your life just begins to be encased. The, the deep parts of you that are wounded and hurt never actually get dealt with. And they're left. And those things don't heal. <laughs> Time doesn't heal things. If anything, it infects it, right? And, and I don't know, as I was preparing, I was just thinking about all the different situations. And this is a very broad statement, but, but all these different situations. And, and, and I don't know where you're at, but who are you talking to? Who are you leaning into? Because God does a lot of things in our lives, just us and God. But God also does a lot of things in our life whenever we are with people. I just want to encourage some of you. You've had some expectations that have really, really has hurt you. And you find yourself in a place where you don't have a lot of hope. You're hopeless. And, and it's even tough for you to make the connection between those situations in your life and connecting it to even the gospel with what we're talking about here. God's plan and there being hope in his plan because you're like, yeah, I've trusted in a few plans and none of them have worked out. And man, I don't know. It's kind of one of those shotgun things, but I just believe that you need to know that God sees you and God knows you and God's been with you through those seasons and through those times and that his plan for your life is still in place. And there's hope. There's hope. Even when we don't get what we expect, we must still hold on to hope. God's promise God's plan, not our own. We need to have plans in our life, but not to the place where they, they take the place of God's plan. So what's the promise? Ultimately, the promise that the Israelites were holding on to and the promise that we still hold on to today is that a king is coming to establish a just and righteous eternal kingdom. And that God started it and he's going to finish it. Even in the shambles of whatever's going on in your life. So are you depressed? Are you fearful? Are you self-sufficient? I want to encourage you today to believe and trust in the promise. And that promise is in King Jesus, ultimately. The promise that we hold to is Jesus. From the time that humanity chose sin over God, all the way to now, God's plan has been Jesus. God's plan has been a Savior. And that's what we're looking at this month. God's plan for us is Jesus. And so this is my prayer for you today, and I want to read it out of Romans 15. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. All joy, all peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. The last thing I want to say is that true, eternal, pure hope is not going to be found in you creating it in your mind, creating it in your heart, looking to the future. Some of you, you're finding hope just by a holiday season by being distracted with buying presents, being with family, being with friends, and like that's the numbing agent for this month. For some of you, this month is horrible because you've experienced a lot of things or maybe you've had some loss and this year is actually full of hopelessness. You see how in our lives we're experiencing, you know, the same month but in different ways. I wanna encourage you in this month to draw close to Jesus, to draw closer to him, not to let things just distract you from your, your feelings and not to let things distract you and, and feel that, that, that emptiness of that hopelessness with just something that's temporary, but to, to, to 
by the God of hope, let him fill you with joy and peace by the power of his spirit that you may abound in hope. And again, not in a thin hope, but in an eternal hope. I want to pray for all of us today. Father, in this place, watching online in Long Beach, God, wherever we are, God, we are asking that you would expose our hearts today. God, that you would open up our minds, open up our hearts. And Lord, where we have been reaching out for hope, but we've been reaching out for hope in all the wrong things. God, where we have been making kings out of good things, but we've been making them God things. God, where we have been empty, some of us dealing with depression and anxiety and other emotional issues, mental issues, anguish. God, I'm praying that by your spirit, that today you would begin a great work in our hearts. God, that you would reveal truth to us. Where the enemy seeks to undermine your plan, where the enemy seeks to undermine your faithfulness and your goodness and cause us to reach out and grab a hold of our own things. God, we today, we align ourselves with you. We reject those lies. And God, we grab a hold of you. We need you. You are our hope. You have the plan. Your plan is Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus has come. We find hope in that. Even whenever what we see today is not what we expected. God, we expect you to come through. 